Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Curzon Film Podcast, uh, the show that gives you one in-depth film review and discussion every week. And so naturally this week we're going to try and talk about 30 films and maybe give them about a minute each, yeah? yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. Right, uh, so joining us on the show this week, uh, we've got Sam Howlett. Hello. Jenna Hobbs. Hi. And just Helen. Greetings. <laughs> uh, so we're giving, we've got a lot to get through today because it is our year in review. So we're going through uh, all the film, well, <laughs> all the films. Every single <laughs> So it's, yeah, every film that's come out this year, we're just going to give it our usual coverage. Yeah. So this is a marathon. We all, we don't really like going home for Christmas. So we just thought we'd do this and that <laughs> just takes us through to New Year, constant sort of nine day broadcast. I've got a uh, pig and blanket in my pocket. Good. Mm, that's that's going to keep you through. Yeah. Um, so we've all uh, given a top 10 and with that top 10 we've assigned points from 1 to 10 in terms of their position and from that we've got a top 10 films for the whole year for the podcast team uh, that did mean that there are some left out of the top 10 which are honourable mentions and we will be covering those as well because there are a few that have uh, obviously appeared on each other's lists that I'm sure people are going to want to talk about but as well as all the excellent films that have come out this year, the brand new ones that we're excited to go over, um, we all have watched, obviously, older films that we've never seen before. And so I wanted to ask you guys, what was your favourite film of this year that was a non-2016 film? So we'll just uh, start with Sam. Okay, well, so this year was a big one for me, the first time I ever saw Casablanca. Which uh, Ooh, big. is a big one, um, and it it surprised me that it's actually good. <laughs> it's one of those things that it's like the number one of loads of lists of the best films of all time. So naturally, I was thinking, oh, it's not going to be as good as that, but it really was. Uh, but I, in terms of the something I really discovered this year, I'm going to go for Shadows, uh, which is a 1959 American improvised indie drama directed by John Cassavetes, and he's a filmmaker who. I've known about for years and been really interested in for years. Uh, if you don't know him, he's also an actor. He plays Guy in uh, Rosemary's Baby. And um, he basically funded um, his film his films that he directed through acting in major Hollywood films. And he kind of birthed the American independent film scene. So I've never seen one of his films before until this year when I saw Shadows, which is this jazz scored, improvised film set in New York 
about the beat movement and the different characters and people that exist during that time. Uh, really amazing film. Uh, so one of the early films, I guess, to have no real story and just kind of be very relaxed and just casually looking at people's lives. Uh, I really loved it. Yeah, um, so we, we actually watched this together and this was going to be potentially the film that I was going to have on my favourites of non-2016 films as well. Uh, it's got so much energy to it, uh, the the acting, the movement, the editing to it. It feels completely frenetic and you completely get swept up into into that movement and it is, uh, it's easy to say it, but it feels like a jazz film. Like yeah, the way it's been made. Improvisation, sort of freeform, really flowing, kind of rhythmic. Yeah. And interestingly, there's uh, if you look at the history of it, there was a uh, there was a first cut that uh, had sort of a traditional score uh, over the top of it, and uh, it was played uh, in a theatre for sort of three nights. Cassavetti's booked out sort of six hundred seaters, and no one really turned up. No critics really liked it, except one uh, one guy, Jonas Mikas, who was an experimental filmmaker, and he really liked that first cut but Cassavetes was really, really disappointed and tried to refund the film so they could reshoot it and I think the oh, original wow. cut there's only about a third left in the final cut wow. so it's a really different film and that's where and they added the sort of free jazz score and things like that it's and very interesting cool. when we, we may be talking about American Honey later today Potentially. Potentially. I'll uh, never tell. <laughs> <laughs> but interesting when you have this out <clears throat> in 2016, and it's another film about a group of young people in America kind of lost part of a movement, but not. they don't really understand the movement, they don't really care about the movement, but yeah, just very free-flowing, following these group of young people without any specific narrative to cage them in. Yeah, I would check that out. Jen? Um, I hadn't seen until maybe like a month ago Goodwill Hunting. Ooh. Yeah, great film. I know it's just one of those ones I missed, and I don't know why. But and then everyone goes to you, oh, Goodwill Hunting. Yeah, that's probably one of my favourite films. And you think, oh, I'm not going to watch it now. It's not your fault. Pardon? That's it. It's not your fault. That's what I say. <laughs> I was just fact. It's uh, not your fault. Oh, it's oh, not your oh, fault. Are you making a quote yeah. reference? Sorry, it's sorry. I've only fault. watched it once. It's not your fault. 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 Don't do this to me, man. <laughs> not you, man. Anyway, yeah, I really loved it. I wasn't expecting to. I didn't have high hopes for it. I thought it was going to be overrated, but I thought it was great. And Robin Williams was amazing. Um, Got to go see about a girl. Oh, yeah. I love a good bit of romance. Yeah. Loved and it. Them apples. And them apples. I've never got that reference yeah. that people have Aww. said before. And now I'm there. I and feel the like whole, I've learned the so much. Board thing. Yeah. 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 I feel like I've finally caught up with some like culture that yeah. I've missed. Yeah. I really loved it. And it's easy to forget who actually wrote it mm. as well. And why. Yeah, they wrote it together, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon, yeah. and they won the Oscar for that, didn't yeah. they? Yeah. And they were so young. And they, they just were. I watched their like acceptance speech and they just seemed like completely different people yeah. as well. It yeah. seems like they wrote it because they wanted these parts. They're yeah. like, we really yeah. want a part like this. Why don't we just make a part like this? Yeah, and then they kind of had to fight to stay in the film, didn't yeah. they? They wanted yeah. To yeah. them to be replaced with Leo and others. Really? But yeah. And they couldn't get funding for it for ages because they refused to give up their roles. Yeah. Casey Affleck briefly in as well, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, he is, yeah. And lots of people wanted to produce it, um, but they—if you check this out online—I won't divulge the full information. But they wrote in an extra scene of a <laughs> cruder context uh, that obviously is not in the final film. But they put it in there to when they were giving it out to producers to check whether they had actually properly read it. 
Uh. And Harvey Weinstein was the only one that said, oh, you need to cut that bit. Oh. But, uh, yeah, go and check out what they actually wrote. Okay. And he just wrote it at uni as well, Matt Damon, wrote it in his, like, theatre class at Harvard. Mm. Harvard. Very good. Harvard. <laughs> um, right, and we're round to Just Helen. Helen, your, your favourite. Why is, why is this Just Helen? Because I don't know his surname, because I've reached that peak. Like Madonna? Yeah. Yeah. Or Cher. We've been through this, Sam. Come okay. on. This Keep is a podcast, Sam. Yeah. Finders Keepers. Oh, what a film. It's a great film. It's about this man, it's a documentary, actual real documentary. In the first five minutes, you're going to think it's a mockumentary. And then you realise that this actually happened and these people are real. Man um, did that thing like they do on Storage Hunters, where they buy a whole load of stuff. He gets this barbecue grill, he opens the barbecue grill. What's in there? A real human leg! What? Then That's a true the guy, story. True story. Then the guy whose leg it was, who kept the leg after an aeroplane crash, and he lost his leg, and he thought, I'm keeping that on me, was like, oh, mate, I've left my leg in the barbecue grill. <laughs> Can I have it back? Oh, we can't have it back, find his keepers. <laughs> barbecue grill leg man then tries to make money out of the leg and um, gets the media involved, asks people to come round to pay a fiver, not to see the leg, just to see the empty barbecue grill <laughs> where he found the leg. People actually turn up. <laughs> then there's this whole court battle. They get on one of those TV court shows to try and get the leg back. But there's all these talking heads of them looking back on the incident. It becomes an, a very emotional film. <laughs> <laughs> the leg means so much more than just a leg. It's about life. I loved it. Do we ever find out who owned the leg? The man whose leg it was. He got it back? I don't want to spoil that. <gasps> okay. Oh, okay. But originally, right, it was okay. his leg. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, wow, that sounds really cool. And it's it so good. Uh, it sounds like one for fans of Tickled as well, which uh, is not on our honourable mentions, but I've just thought of, which I watched this year, which is a really strange documentary about the world of competitive endurance tickling. So do check that out. It starts off as, this is just a bit weird, mm -hmm. uh, but fair enough. People are into some things that I'm not, but then it eventually turns into like a proper crime drama. Very cool. Uh, so do, if you get the chance, check out Tickled. And um, my favourite film that I watched for the first time this year was Bram Stoker's Dracula, the uh, Francis Ford Coppola film. And that is... Like I think, well, a lot of people refer to it. It's, it's like a, it's a fever dream. Uh, there's no real sense of plot that you need to get involved with. You're just there to watch this completely insane visual feast of gothic 20th century cinema. Like the techniques that range through it. That there's amazing bits of animation but then there's uh, it's all practical stuff so when there's shadows on the walls and that are moving in different ways to the actual Dracula and all of these cliches but they're all done in camera it's all done properly oh. uh, it's so well crafted but you kind of just have to leave the plot be because eh, it doesn't really matter okay. but just if you just want to watch the cinematic form be completely explored in loads of really fun ways I had a great time watching that. And Keanu Reeves is in it, and he's horrendous, and it's brilliant. That sounds so good. <laughs> <laughs> Bloody wolves howling again. Yeah. Oh, there's so many awful people. Um, <laughs> it's great. 
I, it was a toss-up between that and the New York Winter's Tale. <laughs> uh, so there we are. Those are our those are our four favourite older films. So if you get the chance, do check out uh, Shadows, something called Goodwill Hunting, uh, Finders Keepers, and Bram Stoker's Dracula. And we should move on uh, into our list of the best films of 2016. Now you guys don't know what films are on this list. Mm-mm. So you all sent me your lists privately and I've assembled them, given them their points from one to 10 and made a big table uh, churning out our best films of the year. Uh, but we'll first go through our honorable mentions that didn't quite make the top 10, but still ended up on our lists. Uh, we could talk about all of them for ages, I'm sure, because mm-hmm. there's a reason they're on our favorite films of the year, but we will have to rattle through these. So I'm gonna start with uh, Pete's Dragon. <laughs> I wonder who, who liked that. that? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So that's Pete's Dragon, which is a uh, a children's film about a boy that grows up in the woods with a dragon. Uh, it's really, really lovely. And as I was watching it, I thought, you know what? If I had children one day, this is the kind of film I would love it if they loved. Uh, so Pete's Dragon there. Uh, also on the honourable mentions is Hunt for the Wilder People. Yeah, boy. Um, directed by Taika Waititi it's a New Zealand coming of age film with Sam Neill and endlessly quotable really fun not pretentious at all not trying to be anything clever or particularly new just really genuine and quite sad as well yeah yeah it's a very touching film and very very funny I think Taika Waititi is very good at that isn't he yeah Um, and Sam Neill in particular is excellent in this film um, and he's got a thoroughly good beard Glorious beard. Glorious, glorious beard. Also, uh, late to the party, Rogue One. Yeah, this was a really, really good Star Wars film, I thought. Uh, Obviously, we talked about it last week on the podcast, but I think it had the hardest job out of any film in the major, like, franchise of the past few years. And I think it pulled it off really well. Yeah, I think you're right there. It did have an exceptionally hard job. And it did manage to just about to pull it off yeah anyway it manages to be more than just a fan film which it could have been I disagree with you there Sam because I have never been a Star Wars fan I watched the first Star Wars film ever was Force Awakens last year and then I revisited the first few and I found this one really hard to understand and get into without lots of prior Star Wars knowledge like it was it was a good interesting film but I don't think I appreciated it on the way that all the Star Wars fans I know did because mm. everyone was buzzing about all these little bits and bobs that just mm. passed me by. That's interesting you say that, that like you engage with Force Awakens more because mm. for me, Force Awakens relies more on its nostalgia factor than uh, Rogue One does at all. Like, I think there's, Do you think? Yeah, I think because like, Force Awakens has the benefit of having those characters and it's got the weight of those characters to rely on whereas Rogue One's got a massive challenge yeah. in establishing new people and making it feel like a coherent part of that world as well, without saying, oh, here's Harrison Ford, and etc. Maybe it did feel easier for me to connect with Force Awakens because, although I don't know the story, everyone knows who Princess Leia, the Han Solo, and yeah. those characters mm. are, so I could kind of go, oh, I finally get this. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe yeah, it's actually. Oh, it's because it's got Adam Driver in, isn't it? Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Right, so uh, that was a couple of honourable mentions that didn't quite cut the list. Uh, But now we are into everything that got some points but didn't quite make the top ten. So, very quickly, a bigger splash. Yeah, that was me. I really liked it. It was a bit too long. You didn't need the final bit. But apart from that, I thought it was a great film. Yep. Tilda Swinton and she is mute throughout. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Ish. 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 Yeah. And lovely Matthias Schoenarts as well. 
Yeah, and Ray Fiennes. You can't forget his performance in that film. Yeah, I think that, that's got to be one of the best looking films of the year. It was beautiful. Yeah. Uh, we've also got Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Yes. Oh, is that not? Oh, sorry, Helen. But I mean, it made your top ten, and that's what matters, <laughs> isn't Can it? Can I just quickly say, I listened. I didn't do the podcast on that one, and I listened to you. You said that the main guy, lovely um, Eddie Redmayne. Oh, yeah, you were like, oh, he's quite unlikable and a bit weird. I loved him. <laughs> he's lovely. I I would marry him. He like that character. He's perfect for me. Thank you. Did you not think <laughs> like, it was a bit that kind of Sherlock? Like very twenty first century popular character that's a bit scruffily, scruffily, yeah. can't quite engage with everyone. Not much of a conversationalist. That's my type. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I, I really enjoyed Fantastic Beasts. Yeah, I did too. Yeah, and I can't wait for the rest of the films. I think it's a brilliant start. Great. Uh, yeah, I think again similar area with Rogue One could quite have easily just been a cynical cash grab, but. They managed to build something there that I'm. That I think a lot of us will be excited about where it goes. Yeah, yeah, great. Um, my Scientology movie. Oh, again on my list. Come on, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. Um, we've done a podcast on it and talked about it quite a lot. But um, yeah, I think that he made me think about Scientology again and become interested in it. And I had kind of thought that I'd known everything I needed to, and I wasn't that. Mm. into it anymore um, and I really like the reenactments and I thought that was a really fresh way of filmmaking yeah I, I think again we all enjoyed my Scientology movie I could have done with more of the reenactments those were the bits that really interested me and it felt like for me sometimes he just relied on the traditional mm. what we know as Louis Theroux and he wasn't quite allowed to do any more of that which actually in the interview he said that he I know yeah he said he wanted to do uh, more of the reenactments, but the director was kind of pushing him to do more of the standard. And can I just say special points to you for not then going? Oh, that's what I thought, Louis. Louis, that's what I thought <laughs> because that's a hundred percent what I would have done. Yeah. <laughs> and also, I think we've all we've all got uh, like a one pointer. My one pointer is the childhood of a leader. Oh, which nearly made my list. Yeah, it's Brady Corbett's uh, film about the potential childhood of someone that would go on to be kind of a Mussolini fascisty type leader uh, but it's just a really intense aggravating anxiety inducing two hours mm-hmm. um, and uh, we've talked a lot about in this show over the last year about films where we really like the uh, the fact that the children in it get treated like grown-ups and this child treats himself as a grown-up and it's quite amazing to watch just how horrible he is. Yeah. But it's compulsive. Really compulsive. Uh, so, next up, we have got uh, our first two pointer Fire at Sea. Ooh. Ooh. See, when I made this list, I had a sort of kind of tug of war, if you will, between films I enjoyed and films that I thought were really well made and really good. And Fire at Sea fell into the latter category, where I think it's an amazing film, but it didn't jump out at me initially because. Just wouldn't necessarily, if I was home alone one night or whatever, wouldn't think, oh, great, I'm going to watch Fire at Sea. Yeah. It's not that kind of film, so it was hard to jump out at me as one of the best of the year. But I think it really is one of the best films of the year and is also the best documentary of the year, in my view. Which I'm sure two people in the room will disagree <laughs> with about another film. And it won um, Best uh, European Documentary at the European Film Awards. And along with this and uh, Francophonia, actually, there are two films 
about Europe in mm. 2016 mm -hmm. and about Europe in general and they don't make a traditional documentary they film it in a very weird interesting way and I think that's really important Hmm. I agree with you and halfway through the year we did like a roundup of the best yeah. films so far and this made all of our top lists but for me it's it's not stayed with me in the way that some of the other films have and uh, yeah it maybe should have but I bumped it off my top 10 oh, sorry don't apologise to me <laughs> apologise to Gianfranco Rossi Sam's mate he's my mate <laughs> He is my best mate. <laughs> right, so I'll next just, up... I'll, I'll Instagram him right now. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sam doesn't have Instagram, <laughs> so he doesn't even know what that means. Sam, I don't think you're telling the truth. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you are Instagramming him. <laughs> I'll write him a letter? Yeah, yeah, I think he'd definitely accept a letter. Up next, we've got Captain America Civil War, uh, which I think is Sam's addition to the list. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah this, this is kind of uh, the opposite of Fire at Sea, where... I just really, really enjoyed this. It was so fun. A lot of people talk about Marvel as kind of being this big, unstoppable beast in cinema that are just pushing out the smaller films and that Disney have this whole monopoly over the film industry. And you can't entirely disagree with that, but I think this is one of the most impressive, ambitious things Marvel has done. Um, I think it's the most successful film of the year so far. Well, box office-wise. Yeah. Um, I couldn't tell you. That's a, I'll have a I may, may, maybe Finding Dory. So, yeah, Sam, you're right. Uh, Captain America Civil War is the yeah. highest grossing film worldwide this year. Yeah, and I just think that it could have just been standard uh, Captain America 3, its own film. They do that. He beats the bad guy and that's the end of it. But it does something really interesting with these characters. And I just think the Marvel franchise is so impressive at long, uh, lasting as long as it has done and it's constantly doing new things that other mainstream blockbusters are too scared to do. There we are, Captain America Civil War. And now, for the, fir for the first time, a film that feels, uh, appears on multiple lists, it's Room. Ah. Oh, didn't make the top ten. Not on my list. Yeah, did not make the top ten. That is still in the, the dimensions. Yeah. Um, and Room's a funny one because it's in that... It's really uh, funny, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Laugh a minute. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. Um, it's in that that limbo land that awards season creates. In the, yeah. you're, never, yes. you're not quite sure what year it was. We like Room was the first episode of this podcast, and that's basically a year ago now. Yeah. Uh, in my head, Room is a 2015 film. I saw it at the London Film Festival in October 2015. Mm -hmm. That's what I consider it to be, and that's one of the reasons that it wouldn't be on my list. Mm. Um, but why is it on yours, guys? I just thought it was a fantastic piece of filmmaking. Um, the you know first half of the film is all in one room and it's absolutely tiny. Uh, Jacob Tremblay's incredible. Brie Larson was incredible. I didn't see it until January 2016. So yeah, I agree with you. Sometimes I think of it, I don't think of it as this year because of the Oscars. I think oh, it's done. It's had its time in the spotlight now. But I think it's so good and I couldn't leave it off my top ten. Yeah, the fact that. We all saw it, I saw it over a year ago now, and it's still being talked about today, and it was nominated for European Film Awards. It's still relevant, even after all this time, so I think I had we had to mention it, I think. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. Uh, it was up for Best Film at the European Film Awards, and it is like, uh, something that you can attribute to not a lot of films, is the staying power, mm -hmm. um, and it's clearly not forgettable. Room. Um, we next up have American Honey. 
Ooh, that was on my list. Is it on anyone else's? It was basically the the last one that I cut out. Childhood, childhood of a leader stole <laughs> stole the spot of American Honey for me. Really stole American Honey for me. Oh, well, I really liked American Honey. It is long, so that was quite the undertaking. But I thought it was great. I actually kind of disagreed with you because I listened to your podcast on it, and I think you thought it was quite. You kind of spoke about the uplifting part of it and how much fun it was. I found it really depressing about the state of like like social care in America um, and yeah a very interesting side of life I hadn't I, mean, I, I don't before. think we were calling it like the hangover <laughs> no, I know <laughs> but you I, I think like it, like uh, because the music just so a romp ex- isn't it <laughs> well just the music's the so exciting watch American Honey we've all done it <laughs> the music's really fun the characters are really fun and they're not taking life seriously so I think you can go along the journey with them and feel it the way that they feel which is like they're in their prime and they're living this great life with loads of money and and just kind of living for the weekend but if you kind of take a step further and look at the fact that actually their lives are so unhealthy and they don't have a system that's supporting them and then you see the children who are kind of being abused and yeah I thought it was very interest, a very interesting film and worth a watch and worth a place in my top ten. Yeah, winner um, of best film at the uh, British Independent Film Awards. Oh, was it? Yeah, yeah, and best director and best actress. Oh, well, she was great. Mm. And the fact that she was completely unknown, just yeah. found on a beach. That's great. Uh, next up, another one for you, Jenna Chirac. Oh, see, none of you have seen Chirac, have you? No. So not. I think if you had, this would have made the top ten. It's amazing. It's so current. So clever, so fun, um, as well as being about like massive issues. It's so colourful, so theatrical. I don't want to say much more about it. It's so clever in the way that it's adapted such an old text as well from like the Lysistrata from ancient Greece. Um, yeah, and made it feel so current, so contemporary. Great watch. Great. It's on Curzon Home Cinema, so, so everyone nice. go and watch it. Um, and another one in that limbo Oscar time is The Revenant. Oh, okay. So on your list. Were you expecting higher, Sam? I guess so, but I mean, like you say, it's in the Oscar limbo, and I think this film divided people more than I thought it did. Like I, I thought this was an out-and-out winner across the crowd, but based on the looks I'm getting from <laughs> you guys, no. Uh, uh, I think at the time, like I enjoyed it and yeah, I thought it was what... good, but then, like upon reflection, I've just thought hey, it was okay. Yeah, this is my thing. I really, really liked it at the time. And like almost 12 months later, I'm thinking, I don't have much desire to watch that again. Yeah. See, I have the opposite that I saw it and thought, oh, yeah, that, that was good. That was pretty good. And didn't really think loads of it. I mean, at the time, I thought, I hope it doesn't win Best Picture because I want it to go to Spotlight, which it did. And that was kind of the end of it after that. But I think for some reason, suddenly recently, I keep thinking about it. And it's really launched back into my mind. And I think that's because I liked it a lot more than I thought I did. So it had to be a my list. Hairy man grunting in the snow. Helen, you snap don't review. need to tell us about your Friday nights. <laughs> uh, up next, uh, we've got Goodnight Mummy. Yes! Oh. Really powerful film. Really stuck with me. Um, I want to see it again. And I'm terrified of horror films. And as Sam can testify, yeah. was very brave. You were very brave. Uh, there was a few horrors you liked this year, wasn't there? No. Who was doing The Witch episode? Oh, that was me. Oh. I do want to watch The Witch. Okay. Well, maybe we'll talk about it later. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe we won't. <laughs> we will talk about Green Room. Oh, yeah. Okay. 
Um, Green Room, I, we talked about this briefly in the mid-year review, but this was a, a film where Patrick Stewart plays a neo-Nazi from deep South America. Really amazing, brutal thriller. Kind of crosses that line, I think, between entertainment, action, and genuinely, really impressively made independent film. And very sad passing this year, Anton Yelchin, who is absolutely mm. incredible in this film. Um, which is a real shame but I thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed this film um, you, Jake I texted you about it and you said if I watch it well I need to wear my big boy pants <laughs> and I said yes you will <laughs> it really goes for the violence <laughs> yeah and in our next position was this is the first film on the list as I was baking it that I was really surprised to see on there and that is Omar Fast's Remainder hello beautiful film yeah yeah. Did you both go for that? Sam and Helen? I didn't go for that. No, Sam oh. is a face of... Uh, <laughs> Just a Helen film. We're not friends anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Awkward, we've got to look at each other for the next however long. I loved it. Surreal, yeah. captivating. I'm excited to see what he does next. Yeah. You could tell that he was a visual artist. I also worked it out, as you know, I won't spoil it, mm. but I worked it all out, didn't I? You did. Yeah, figured out what it was all about. Don't normally do that. Do you like it because it reminds you that you're really clever? <laughs> <laughs> Is that why? I just had this moment where I was like, oh, I think... And that's the wonderful thing to have happen. There's a good bit with cats on the roof. Oh, yes. Well, I'm going to watch it again with you telling me what it's about and then see if I can, like, get it again. There's a great weird kiss scene. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I, I just loved like, being in it. Like, that's something that I do... I like films that people will come out of it and say... I just need you to watch that again with me and tell me what's going on. <laughs> yeah, I love those films. You're trying to work it out afterwards mm. and every time you see it, you see something different. Yeah. Uh, next up, we've got Son of Saul. Didn't break the top ten. Oh. oh, it wasn't on my list, actually, and I feel guilty about not putting it on my list because I did think it was an incredible film um, and I probably should have put it on there. Yeah, another yeah. shallow focus. Mm. Yeah, uh, in terms of actual year. physical filmmaking, I think this is the best film made this year. Yeah, yeah. In terms of technical achievement, that is complete. It, the film's near enough, one long close-up, in a way, that it's of Saul in this in the um, in a concentration camp, and that the background is constantly out of focus, constantly blurred, so you can't see the horrors of um, the Holocaust going on behind him. You're so just focused on his face and him and what he's going through. Um, and to do a, to do a Holocaust film in any any kind of context is going to be difficult and not only because we've seen them before but because it is one of the most difficult subject matters of you know, human history but to do that and make it really provoking really interesting and really do something new with that world with that t- part of history I think is an amazing achievement yeah yeah it certainly is uh, up next is I think it's just me uh, Swiss Army Man the the oh, no. Oh, mate, what are you going to say? Well, I forgot I saw that. Oh, this is why you've got to keep a notepad. Um, oh, that's a great film. Yeah. Yeah, so it's Army Man with Daniel Radcliffe and Paul Dano. Uh, Daniel Radcliffe playing a farting corpse. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. 
So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. That washes <laughs> up on Paul Dano's desert island and, uh, well, becomes a Swiss army man. He helps him survive. He is the ultimate human tool. Um, <laughs> and... The surprising thing about Swiss Army Man is that it is at points a musical as well. Yeah. Uh, and I think for me it's oh, bold, bold, but maybe the best film score of the year. I think some of the tracks in there are excellent. Like there's really great music, but they're really funny songs as well. You don't really notice it whilst it's happening in the film. But if you break down the lyrics in there, they're really, really, really funny. Uh, sort of Lonely Island could have done it in this kind of ethereal, strange, tribal version of The Lonely Island. But I loved this film a lot. There's some um, little bushy moments in there, which yeah. I enjoyed. Yeah. Um, so, But I know uh, for a lot of people it has just been regarded as puerile and... No, no, it's great! Weird for weird's sake, but... Uh, Disagree. It was, yeah, it's good for me. And I think we've got a bold, underlined, and italic statement. It's High Rise from Sam Howard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this uh, this is my quite high in my top ten, actually. So I'm quite disappointed it's not there. Uh, I think this, again, what I was saying just now about The Son of Saul, that you take something that you think you know how it's going to go and then just do something really different with it that High Rise is Ben Wheatley constantly challenging us and making a J.G. A Ballard novel into a coherent film is a feat in itself. Um, but we've I, don't, we, I think part of it is that it's not coherent. Exactly, yeah. But to make that watchable, I think it's really a, a challenge he's overcome. Helen's sticking her tongue out of me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you, Sam. I really liked it. Yeah. Didn't make my top 10. Would be in my top 20. Yep. I need to re-watch this, I think. Um, and I want to re-watch it on a big, big screen with lots of big speakers because that is another soundtrack highlight for the year, actually. Yeah, really that was great. That. Yep. Um, but there's some visual moments in High Rise uh, that I want to experience again uh, involving cars in particular. But also, the first time I watched it, I went in not knowing what to expect. And I think second time around, knowing what to expect and being able to just kind of succumb to it and accept it might be a different experience, which I think is why it's ended up on your list, Sam. Yeah, definitely. The, the second viewing was a vast improvement on the first one, actually. Yeah. Uh, and next up is me. And I don't know what has happened to everyone, you know? <laughs> Hail Caesar. Yeah. Hail Caesar is it is one of the best films of the year. It's so much fun. Um, I agree. What are you talking about? Again, I think I've got I've got maybe I've gone into musicals a bit more this year because <laughs> uh, like, there are some musical moments in Hail Caesar that are just wonderful. Channing Tatum tap dancing scene. That's one of my favourite scenes of the year. I admit that was very good. Um, it's really funny. Uh, I think it's uh, if you want to 
put extra meaning on it about Jesus and religion and faith. You can, but you don't need to. And that's what's great. It's, just, it's the Coens just having a huge amount of fun. Um, and I was following someone on Twitter and they were asked about what film is not necessarily your favourite film of the year, but is your Desert Island film of the year that you just want to take with you. It can be serious, it cannot be serious, but yeah, Desert Island film. God, remind Caesar. me not to wash up on your Desert Island, Jake. <laughs> hey, Swiss Army Man and Hail Caesar. <laughs> uh, Hail Caesar is a lot of fun, but ultimately it's a sketch show. It's a series of funny scenes very loosely linked together. So for that reason, it didn't quite make my top 10. But I agree, it's a lot of fun, and that Channing Tatum scene is one of the scenes of the year. Channing Tatum gets a number of scenes in that, actually. Yeah. Disappointed in you. <laughs> Thought you were my friends. <laughs> um, and obviously, we're all really horrible people because Spotlight hasn't made the top 10, everyone. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, Wait, so I have two films in the top 10. Sorry, mate. <laughs> <laughs> You just got the most diverse taste, Sam. Yeah. Ooh, Captain America. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> God, mate, come on, if you want to make an impact, it's uh, you've got to think about these things, haven't you? Um, <laughs> I mean, where's your, like, it's not about integrity. <laughs> this you is want a game. Win. You want to win. <laughs> I've won the top ten. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, Spotlight, again, we've done a podcast on it. Yeah. Uh, it was the best film of the year at the Oscars. It uh, is a great film. It's good. Yeah. yeah. There's not much more to say about it, I think. No. But it... Just so simple and really a film, you know, with a horrible subject matter, telling it without any bells and whistles. Mm. Um, you know, even the score is just a piano. Yeah, it's so televisual. Yeah, mm. it's that's like even that the the last shot of the film. It's just people in an office and the camera slowly pulls back, but it's got so much weight behind it, uh, and it's that whole idea of dialogue through. Oh, sorry, action through dialogue rather than explosions which mm. I think Spotlight was missing we can agree not enough explosions <laughs> yeah car chases yeah kind of thing. sorely lacking yeah right and uh, just off the top by one place is Patterson oh, I really liked Patterson I didn't make my top 10 but I really liked it a lot so did I didn't make mine but yeah. great film yeah, it's quite good Oh, is it gosh. your film of the year, Jake? It was my second place. Oh, wow. Yeah, so uh, Mr. Complainer over there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, Patterson, Jim Jarmusch's film with Adam Driver as a bus driver named Patterson in the town of Patterson. And he just, he drives the bus and he writes poems. And it is, it is that simple. Uh, but it's so watchable. Yeah, it like really this is. is. We described something as compulsive earlier, as the childhood of a leader. This is this is very much the opposite, um, in that it's very calm, and you like the person mm -hmm. in the middle of it, and you want to just watch them go about their day. And it is it's like compulsively relaxing and calming, and it is like it's like a hot drink of a film. Mm. And watched it twice, I could easily just sit down and watch it in third time. Because I think each time you can get something more out of it as well. Uh, the second time round, I noticed a, a little toy bus in Patterson's bedroom. And that completely changed how I thought about his role as the bus driver mm. as well. And I think you could pick up lots and lots from it. Um, I just think it's a really lovely film. Adam Driver's exceptional in this film mm. as well. Very good. Yeah. He really is, and again, not not a huge amount of drama, just the just the right level to keep you engaged with it as well, without feeling like you are just watching 
some very cinematic Big Brother. Yeah, exactly. Right, we're here. We're here at the top ten. All right, everyone? Ready. Okay. Ready. Uh, at number ten, my first place. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's Sing Street. Oh, no, I forgot. <laughs> I need a notebook. Helen, why are you even here? That would be on my top ten for sure. Hey, oh, what are you doing to what me? What a film. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, mate. <laughs> I only watched it last week, but Dive I did really it like, like it. You stole it. Yeah. Oh. Oh, the shame. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Shame. Shame on you. Well, and shame on you, Jenna, for not showing remorse as well. <laughs> what, for not putting it in yeah. the top? No, it's great. It's really, really, really good fun. But um, I think with my list, I went for a theme of films that affected me the most. This and, affected me. Um, this so much maybe that didn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's fine it's top 10 that's alright yeah it's made it yeah could have been higher though couldn't it it could have been yeah thanks for that um, yeah Sing Street uh, Jenna told me that after she watched it she saw me in the main character yeah for sure and maybe that's changed how I viewed it you know? Irish Jake <laughs> yeah so you're a massive egotist that's why it's in the top 10 yeah uh, it's all you say sense. Irish Jake I've actually got more I'm more Irish than I am English so it is actually just me, isn't it? It's a film about me, everyone. Uh, <laughs> go and check it out. Um, no, it I've is. also witnessed Jake do a lovely karaoke version of Drive It Like You Stole It. Yeah, smashed it. <laughs> you I? did. Absolutely smashed it. Um, that was the last song of my night. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sing Street, it's, it's, it's a really lovely story, but it's also about the... It's like a love letter to music videos as well. Yeah. Which we, do, we don't really get anymore. Um, I think... The days of music channels are very much over. Uh, yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Because I spent my whole youth just putting on the music channel and watching yeah. it for hours and hours. Yeah. But people just don't do that anymore. Yeah. Nope. And now, even with music videos on YouTube, it's a lot of the time I will put on the music video, but that's just to listen to the song. Yeah, and yeah. it's on a Not different really tab. Watch it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and this reminds us how much fun music videos can be. Uh, the Drive It Like You Stole It, uh, which is... Uh, the big song from the film, just a very a great pop 80s song, has a, a really excellent music video in a, in a... It creates the dream school disco that you never had. Yeah. Um, and I think this whole film is about that, is creating that school youth that none of us ever really got. The director of the film is kind of saying, uh, this might not be reality but this is what music videos and music can give you in that moments of escapism for a few minutes uh, and 100%. It's, yeah it's my favorite film of the year and also it's my favorite soundtrack of the year so yeah it's probably my favorite soundtrack yeah yeah um the original songs on it it's john carney uh, who has already won two Oscars for original songs. I he don't, did once and begin again, yeah. yeah. I don't Great think films. he will mm. be getting it, sadly, this year. These are too poppy. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they feel so much like songs out of the 80s mm-hmm. that they'll be disregarded, I think. Um, but do check it out. So that's Sing Street. Uh, in ninth place, we have Arrival. My number one. Arrival is a sci-fi film about aliens invading Earth, but also isn't. It's more about uh, communication and the way we, the moment we, un- the moment we can't understand something, we assume it's dangerous. Um, so when, because obviously we work in a cinema, when people ask you, "Oh, what's Arrival about?" and you start telling them, they go, "Oh, aliens? No, not for me." And I sort of drag them back and say, "No, just listen. It's not about the aliens, people. 
Uh, Amy Adams should win an Oscar for Best Actress this year, but she probably won't. Uh, Denis Villeneuve, who is directing the next Blade Runner film, once again shows that he is the most interesting director working at the moment. And I really want to read the uh, short story this film is based on, actually. I think it could be really, really nice comparison. Yeah, and say, I think a nice comparison to Fire at Sea, really. Uh, like that importance of understanding communication and people or literal aliens and trying to understand what you might not and just how how language is so important yeah and also this film it is not visually boring either like it's it's content is very heavy and very heady but they don't shy away from the sci-fi like the spaceship is a big black kind of oval with, with weird zero gravity things going on and the the design of the actual aliens themselves the heptapods are these kind of elephant spiders i mm. guess you could describe them um, and then there's this thing about language, the power of language and the power of um, communication that really overpowers everything. And they, com- they, without spoiling it or ruining the ending, they combine your ability to communicate with someone with this a sci-fi element. And that is the film's genius, I think. So that's why it is my film of the year. Uh, in eighth place, we have Everybody Wants Some. Yay. Oh, yay! Hey! Is that on a few people's lists? Yeah, it's on mine. It wasn't. It, 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 it was on mine for ages, and then I just bumped something up, and that mm. had to go. Yeah, uh, it made it onto mine as well. So, so I, much fun! It's like a party in a film. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I loved it. I watched it in an empty cinema and pretty much had a party watching it. It was just great. It was a great study of like boy culture as well. And I felt like I was just like peering in on something I've never been a part of before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean. Everybody wants some. That was basically a documentary of my youth. <laughs> um, it was uh, it made me teary-eyed for my time. Were you a star player on a baseball team, yeah, Jake? Yeah, definitely. That was me. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's such good fun, and it's great soundtrack as well. Yeah. Yes, yeah, very good soundtrack. After yeah. Boyhood, Linklater could have done something again, really ambitious, really about everything, and like just going. You know, this is my career now. But then he went, no, I'm going to sort of step back a little bit and do a film set for three days about someone's first weekend of college, and it's all parties. It lo- it just looked so much fun, and as like uh, as everyone says, like the most fun films um, are actually the worst on set. So this must have been <laughs> horrible. <laughs> and the the best cinematic use of rappers' delight. So good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in seventh place, it's the uh, the world well, the best superhero film of the year, Captain Fantastic. Hey, <laughs> only seventh. What? So. This was my number one. Was yeah. it? Yeah. Try having tenth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I loved Captain Fantastic so much, and I didn't have a clue what it was about before I went into the cinema. I literally just had some time to kill, so I thought I'd go and watch it, and it blew me away it, I found it it affected me a lot I mean I, I think I saw some of you guys when I came out of the cinema and I was an emotional wreck <laughs> for a long time uh, yeah I have so meant so much love for this film so do I it was on my list was it oh yeah. good. good loved it in sixth place we have the second horror film on the list The Witch uh-huh. The VV Itch, yes. as it's sometimes referred to. That's how I refer to it. I thought it was original. Yeah. I mean, that sounds like something you might get well, the VV with some canister for. Yeah. <laughs> Good knowledge, Jake. I've got a cream for that. 
Yeah, The Witch for me, I for a while this was my favourite film of the year. Arrival just about be it, but yeah, I think The Witch is something new with a horror film, which is really rare these days because horror films are famous for being a repetitive cycle of the same thing over and over and over again. But The Witch does something completely different, but also relies on existing notions of the horror film and plays around with that really well. And Anya Taylor-Joy, I think, is the breakout star of the year for me. Uh, she really carries this film. It's a really difficult film as well for a young actress, I think, partly because of some of the things we need to see her do, but also because it, it near enough needs subtitles the way it uses Old English. Uh, which And you can tell that Robert Eggers, the writer-director, has really done his research, really put a lot of effort and thought into this to make it seem really authentic. And as we said on the podcast... It kind of plays around with, oh, is it real, is it not real? A little bit, but ultimately it just wants to show you, yes, this is real. You should be scared of these things because they are happening right now in front of you. And a number of really amazing scenes. The last few minutes are excellent, but there's a possession kind of exorcism scene that is yeah. horrible. With a, and again, with a very young actor. Mm. And in our fifth place, it's Charlie Kaufman's Anomalisa. That made my list. Yeah, that was up there for me. Loved Annalisa. Um, it, it just wasn't what I was expecting at all. It uh, kind of the trailer paints it out to be a, a romance film in in some way with all the quotes, and um, it's not. It's a film about a man who just can't connect with the world. Um, and it's just so my type. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Helen's type. Um, and you know, it's so clever. The the use of animation, the fact that everyone's got the same voice, the same face. I just thought it was really clever, really interesting. Yeah, uh, there's a dream sequence in mm. that that is like a little short horror film yeah. itself. <laughs> um, and I think it's, it is great because it maintains that Michael, the lead character, is awful. Yeah. Throughout. <laughs> yeah. And for him, like, there's the potential for redemption and an arc, but... Nah. It's not coming for and him. And I think that's that's very Kaufman-esque. Um, it's but. almost a horror film. It absolutely broke me, but it's great. Yeah. And, I mean, it's created one of maybe the Curzon Podcast's impressions of the year. I mean, it's rolled out every few weeks already. <laughs> Are you it? ready, Sam? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> is it the Trump impression? <laughs> <laughs> you might say this film is extraordinary. Oh. <laughs> It's good stuff, right, everyone? We, have, we haven't heard that enough, have we? <laughs> we have not. Constantly. No. Every, every day. Every live, all the live long day. <laughs> yeah. um, right. It's obvious to me that you are. Oh, the R was a bit off there. Yeah, come ah. on, mate, come on. Uh, can you introduce our, our next film? Uh, Fly Away Birdman. There's a new one tick wonder in town. That's right. Fourth place, it's Victoria. Another great film. Ah, that was my fourth. Ah, yeah. Wow, exactly where you wanted yeah. it. Well done, Helen. You Thank win. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> great film. Helen won the top ten. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for playing, Helen. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant film. Um, I think some people thought it was a bit long. No, but it's I, not long. I didn't. That was Sam. I thought it was yeah. long. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, and I often think films are too long, but this this was perfect for me. Really great film. Yeah. Uh, you think like because I, I think a lot of issues people had were. Because it was it was built on improvisation as well. Like they had that loose structure of a plot to mm -hmm. go around. Those moments where it kind of 
loses the... That's what was so special about it for me, though. It felt so real. It just felt like one of those nights where you've had just a tiny bit too much to drink and you've met some people who you're not sure if they're nice or not. And, yeah, just the conversations that you would have. I totally agree. And the adrenaline, I was so pumped the whole way through that I felt like I needed those little moments that were a bit quieter, a little bit more realistic to get me through and so I wasn't like so tense mm. <laughs> I'd rather have two minutes of realistic improv than ten seconds of um, unrealistic script Ooh. lovely stuff um, so that was fourth place and now we're on to the podium <gasps> dun, 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 dun. I'm not sure how all this is going to go down you know uh, in third place the nice guys yeah oh. also my third what that is a nice surprise. That yeah. is a surprise. I love the oh, nice guys. A good surprise. Yeah. I'm happy yeah. for that to be number to be third. Yeah. I really loved that film. Yeah. So funny. It was yeah. hilarious. Yeah. 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 Another great uh, young actress in that film as well. The little yeah. girl in that film steals yeah. a lot of scenes. Yeah, Very great. funny. Yep. Yeah. And really surprised how much visual comedy Gosling was able to create. Because mm-hmm. like, I th- I almost think of like Gosling is like he's almost away from everyone. He's God like, amongst men. You mean. But it's like Drive. He's so suave <laughs> and quiet. And like the Blade Runner trailer's just come out as well. And he's effectively, he feels quite distant as a person, character, in a mm-hmm. lot of his roles, I find. Uh, and here, just to see him even doing out and out slapstick, he mm-hmm. like his comedy was brilliant. Yeah. Some point. The yeah. party scene. Yeah. As well, oh. I think it's incredible. And his dr- that this is the best drunk acting. I think yeah, I've it's really hard to do drunk yeah. acting well. Mm. Maybe it wasn't acting. <laughs> <laughs> who it did was really realistic. Bad, someone did really bad drunk acting this year. Who was it? Uh, oh, Emily Blunt in oh, The and Girl on the Train. Yeah, yeah that, was, that was not fun. Yeah. So when I uh, broke my wrist in the summer, Helen, you drew me... A little gosling. Yeah, a gosling on my cast, yeah. uh, which is in the film as well, and that's only because the, um, the daughter character just drew it on his cast on set because <laughs> and then they were like, like oh right that's in the film <laughs> yeah. um, I, I really want to watch The Nice Guys again yeah uh, we said, I think we said when we talked about it before uh, like if Inherent Vice is a film that's high then The Nice Guys is a film that's drunk <laughs> mm. yeah uh, and yeah, I would like to check that out so that takes the bronze medal a surprise but a yeah. good one um, and guys in a shocking turn of events it's a joint first. What? <gasps> wow. Oh, I don't like this. I what? want I want bloodthirsty competition. Ooh. This is not good. Can you I don't like this? Ooh. How did it work? Is it Can it, you say it? Yeah. Okay, I will explain. Uh, so as I said, everyone had their top ten and their mm-hmm. top tens got valued from one to ten in terms of points, depending on their mm-hmm. position. And after getting everyone's list together, there were two films that ended up with the same number of points. These are the only time in the whole list wow. that there are two films with the same number of points. And those two films are One More Time with Feeling, the Nick Cave <laughs> documentary. And it's really a day for documentary, isn't it? Notes on blindness. My top two! <laughs> Helen has hijacked the you list. You literally won the podcast. Yeah. Her top four. There will be an investigation and, <laughs> and a recount. Yeah. I'm yeah. so happy. There we are. Yeah. So um, let's let's break this down. So it's it's a yeah it's a joint win um, for Andrew Dominic's One More Time with Feeling and um, that's my film of the year. 
One More Time with Feeling. Yeah, yeah that was your number one. Um, and we also had number twos from Jenna and Helen for Notes on Blindness. Yeah. Which gave... So, I mean, in some sense, One More Time with Feeling is a number one. Uh, it's the number one from Helen and it was third from me. Mm. So we got a nice balance mm, there. Yeah. But that's how we've ended up with the two winners. But t- tell us a bit about Notes on Blindness, because you actually spoke to the directors for that episode, didn't you, Helen? What's so nice is when you see a film with so much kindness and empathy, and then you go and meet in the directors, and they are just incredibly kind and empathetic, and they want to make a film that accurate, accurately portrays John Hull's life. They're, they're really nice guys who have their hearts 100% in the right place and did so much research, and... You know, they went through all these tapes and they met the family, and I think that really shows. I think mm. that's why so it's such the a tapes, strong film. This was recordings that John Hall made whilst he, he made was going blind, as a diary of of his loss of sight, and um, it really struck a chord with me. But it was so uplifting and happy, and made me love life. Mm. I agree with Helen. It was it stuck with me for such a long time. It was one of those films where I called up everyone I knew and cared about and was like, please watch this film. I want to talk to you about it. You know, the thought for a lot of people of losing their sight is just one of the most terrible things that you feel like could happen to you. And, it, you know, it was so clever the way they went through John's tapes and his story of his acceptance of his loss of sight. And, but, and, and just how he chose to embrace his life and to do something amazing with it and it was just the things you never thought of like um, there's this beautiful scene where um, he's talking about the rain and, and how he, he used to hate the rain and now as a blind man he loves the rain because he feels like he can see again when he hears the rain hitting all the objects and he can fill out the room and it was just so moving. It was it was so sad at some points when you could hear his anger with the situation, mm-hmm. the hand he'd been dealt. But it took you on this amazing journey um, and it stayed with me for a very, very long time. I'll definitely be revisiting it throughout my life. And it's one of those films that I would lend to a friend who was struggling, you know, and I would just say, oh, pop that on for yeah. a bit, you know. Yeah. Uh, so that's Notes on Blindness and uh, the other documentary that takes our top spot was One More Time with Feeling uh, Andrew Dominic's documentary about Nick Cave uh, and also well Nick Cave uh, his wife, his band uh, all through the after the death of his son uh, and the recording of uh, their latest studio album Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds uh, Skeleton Tree and this is this is quite an astonishing piece of work, isn't it? I was watching it and I wasn't crying and I couldn't work out why I wasn't crying. And then I felt like my heart was leaking. That's how sad I was. And then I went home and I had a tiny nosebleed. It's very much uh, a film of that album. So if you, if you haven't had the chance, do listen to Skeleton Tree. Uh, I saw this film on the first night of its release and the album wasn't out yet and so uh, I was watching it and hearing those tracks for the first time uh, whereas Helen you had the listen to the album yeah. uh, before and then effect- you almost see them in context because mm. it relates the songs to the moments mm-hmm. in um, the cave family's journey really uh, in like their, their moments of grief and I think the thing that uh, really touched me about it is that it doesn't try and define grief as a process. It, I, I don't 
I don't really get along with that idea that you'll no. have this moment and this moment and this moment and this okay. moment and then you'll be fine. Yeah. Um, there are some really powerful bits in it where he describes his grief. Uh, I think a moment where he describes it as an elastic band. Really uh, stuck with me. Yeah. And that he's eventually just going to snap back and remember everything. Um, and there are a few points that really, in a very Nick Cave way, very, very poetic and profound and feel like he's just, that's just how his mind works in these incredible stories and sentences. There's a bit where he's looking for his pen and I feel like oh, I've never understood anyone more. Yeah. Um, and it's it's also about friendship. Um, and it's very funny at some point. Yeah. All the band members. Yeah. Uh, Warren Ellis in particular, who I think, well, it's every, you'll watch this film and think, I wish, I wish I had a friend like Warren Ellis. How's my hair? Yeah. Uh, he's so cool, isn't he? So um, cool. Like three thousand pound titanium violin. How does it sound? It sounds horrible, but it looks cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, really, really great film. If you do get the chance, I think it's going to be uh, on home media and on demand in early March. So great. do do check that out and listen to Skeleton Tree if you can. So yeah, pretty. Pretty happy end to our list there, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, it's Christmas time. <laughs> uh, so uh, actually, let's round that back up again, shall we? Um, so that was our our top ten for the year. Was uh, Sing Street Arrival? Everybody wants some. Captain Fantastic, The Witch, Anomalisa, Victoria, The Nice Guys. One more time with feeling and notes on blindness. And there are so many of those films that we've talked about today. Uh, on Curzon Home Cinema if you do want to check them out stuff like Fire at Sea and Chirac and Goodnight Mummy and Son of Saul and Anomalisa and Victoria there's so much there so do go and check that out Um, they've got a number of year in review collections Uh, if you want to check those out do head over to Curzon Home Cinema and that really draws us to the end of the show and perhaps the end of the year it's unconfirmed just yet but things could be pretty silent next Ooh. week. But uh, we don't know just yet. <laughs> um, right. So, in perhaps until next year, it is goodbye from me. It's goodbye from Sam. Goodbye. Goodbye from Jenna. Bye. And goodbye from just Helen. Merry Christmas to you all. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.